So I confess that I'm an epic failure when it comes to New Year's resolution, and I'm not sure why. I think perhaps because it just relies too much on me. And even though I'm kind of a guy wired for goals and <clears throat> discipline, I think left to myself, I don't always maybe finish or I need something more to help me get over the hump or achieve some of these things, even if they're important to me. <clears throat> and so I've kind of not really thought about it or done anything with New Year's resolutions for the last several years. But yet in the back of my mind, I know it's good to be intentional. I know it's good to reflect. I know it's good to think think about and commit myself to the good way, the good roads, the good rhythms of life so I'm healthy and whole and loving God and others appropriately. So I ask myself, is there, is there another alternative? Is there a different way to think about this and so that I can actually live into the things that are really important? <clears throat> and as I thought about that, a, a memory popped into my mind. It, it's from 30 years ago or so. It's sad that I can even... Think back, I was a teenager 30 years ago, um, <clears throat> but it's a story of my grandfather. And my grandfather and I were close. He uh, honestly wasn't a man of, of means. Uh, he came from Kentucky, the, the book Hillbilly Elegy or Ology. Uh, have any of you read that? That's really the story of my family, uh, coming from nothing out of the hills of Kentucky uh, to the Dayton, Ohio area. Uh, and then creating a life, a new chapter in the Camfield family. And so that's his story. <clears throat> he was my fishing buddy. Uh, he was my biggest baseball fan. Uh, he always would slide me an extra $5 here and there just so I had a little spending money in my pocket. I loved him. He, he passed away when I was in college, which was uh, really hard for me. But I remember um, how he would bring creatively the good life into the life of our family and my grandma and, and especially their home. I remember he planted these trees, these, these couple sapling trees that as they grew, he started kind of just twining them together. And, you know, and you go back to their house, you see these two maple trees that are really one, that are kind of woven and grown together. It's like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I remember one summer he built a trellis in the back corner of the, the backyard next to the attached garage, kind of sitting caddy corner. It looked uh, a little bit like what you're going to see on the screen. That's, that's not, you know, I, I, was, I wish I would have taken a picture of it on my phone, but my grandma's phone, the cord didn't stretch long enough for me to take the picture. And if you're in high school or younger and you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's really sad. That's really sad. Sadie, my, do my daughter, not my dog, Sadie said, Dad, I want to use one of those phones on a cord sometimes. Like, I think that would be cool. And I'm like, wow. But the, his trellis looked kind of like that. It had a couple posts. He put it in the ground. He had some lattice work on the side. He built the beams over the top, and he planted some grapevines on both sides. And I mowed the grass. That was part of my summer job to make a little income and to take care of my grandparents. I would drive across town. And I would mow their yard, and so I had a front row seat in watching not just the trellis being built, but watching these grapevines grow. And I remember being amazed at just how fast they grew. And my grandfather would give them a little care as, as some of them were kind of falling off or winding. He would just simply help redirect. He would put a leaf, you know, attach a leaf to the lattice, and then it would grow up and then across the trellis 
Occasionally he would prune a little bit off of it, but I mean, but that, the, 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 those vines just thrived and they flourished going up that trellis and across. Uh, I also remember there were a couple offshoots that, would, that grew off, one towards the garage and one towards the bushes. And the one that went towards the garage was on the mowing path. And so, uh, to be honest, like I just mowed right over that one. I could have, I guess, followed the example of my grandfather and helped it grow up the thing. But, you know, I had my cassette tape Walkman that had the three equalizer bars on it that was like really cool. Blasting, and I just went right over top of those. And every week, it would, like somehow it grew like this much, and it was back, and I would just mow over it again. But then the one on the other side growing towards the bushes, I didn't have to mow on that side. And so it kind of grew into the kind of the weeds a little bit and then up in the bushes. But, but I'll never forget that one. It, it just didn't have the same, um, well, it just didn't thrive. It had leaves, but they didn't look that healthy. It had some grapes, but they were kind of shriveled up. And you could tell the animals were eating some and the insects were on it. Like it just paled in comparison to the vines that were on the trellis. And I remember that story because in the Christian life, Christians for centuries and centuries and centuries have likened spiritual growth and the process of spiritual growth kind of like a trellis, this structured pathway or guide rails for growth. And they've called it a rule of life, a rule of life. And so when you hear the word rule, what kicks up for you? Not that we have phones without cords. Like if I said, if I just posted follow the rules and you looked at that on your phone, like I'm sure instead of a thumbs up, you're going to get some thumbs down, right? No one likes rules, it seems, or they just feel oppressive. I know Sue Ann, my wife, is kind of famous for saying, okay, new family rule. And it's not just the kids, but I find myself as well, we all kind of go, <sighs> and we're not very good sports about it. And a lot of the family rules don't seem to stick, which is probably why they keep accumulating. But uh, I love my wife. She's trying to lead us in the right healthy paths. Just sometimes we're wild vines off to the side, I suppose. But it's interesting that the word rule comes from the Latin word regula which implies not so much a systems of rules or laws, kind of like the way we think of it, but it's more of a, a way of regulating or regularizing, if that's even a word, <clears throat> things to stay on a certain path so they run smoothly without disruption, interruption, or breakdown. In the ancient, ancient sense, uh, a regular was, was like a guidepost or a railing, kind of like what you think maybe a train would run on, a set of tracks, the rails, that it could go down. It had to do with something you could hang on to in the dark that meant to lead you somewhere. You, you, perhaps you've heard the stories of farmers, especially in the plains when they'd have these winters and these blizzards and these whiteouts. They would tie a rope from the barn all the way to the house because if they got off track a little bit, they, they, they would be found frozen somewhere. Like they literally couldn't make it from the barn to the house because they couldn't see, so they would have this rope that would lead them to the house, a regular uh, applied to, 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 like, it was a climbing analogy as well, like to give support for something to climb. A regular or a rule is like a trellis because it offers that guidance, 
It offers that support for the plant to grow and to grow in a direction and to be free to really thrive and to flourish in how it was intended. <clears throat> and what I like about that image is that it's both the image of a trellis or a rule of life is that it's both descriptive and prescriptive. It's descriptive in terms of it describes, you can actually see where it's supposed to go. You understand the path ahead of you. And following that path, you can just, you can forecast what it looks like when it matures more and more and how it builds itself out and the fruit that comes from those vines. And it's also prescriptive for when you get off that trellis, when you get off the support or the rails, it's a guide to bring you back, to put that leaf, attach it back on so then it can get back on course and grow. As we begin this new year, I want to propose to you a trellis, a rule of life that's maybe a little different than how we approach New Year's resolutions because the way I want us to approach it is prayerfully. I want this to be spirit-led in your life, which means we're going to have to carve out some time to pray and listen and think and write a little bit. <clears throat> because when we do, when the Spirit's guiding us, it's going to help us clarify our deepest values, our most important relationships, our authentic hopes and dreams, our, our, our meaningful work that God has given us, and it's going to help us clarify our highest priorities. And if you think about it, I, I'm sure many of you aren't uh, living with a, a, a written rule of life right now. Some of you might be, but most of you probably aren't. But you are still living by some rule, <clears throat> an unarticulated, an unwritten. It might be autopilot in your life, but something is guiding what you do, how you do it, when you do it, why you do it, what you say, why you say it. There, there's an operating system in you that, that's guiding that. And so you're living in a rule right now. It just may not be intentional. And so what I suggest, or maybe the question I would throw out as we begin this new year, is it time to lay down that unwritten, unknown rule that's governing our lives and to perhaps craft, with God's help, <clears throat> an intentional rule that's going to help us flourish and thrive and to grow into God's best intentions for our lives, which you'll find is what you actually desire for yourself as well. The big idea is that too many of us, not all of us, but probably many of us, we're getting mowed over in life and we just can't grow. We've got animals and insects kind of nitpicking or whatever. We're just not producing the fruit that we probably really want and we know that, that God probably desires more, more good things to grow up and out of our life so that, that we can be a blessing to others. <clears throat> so what if we put some guideposts in our life? What if we built a trellis upon which would support and give us some description of where we could go and then just simply grow into that with the help of the master vine dresser, like my grandfather, pruning a little bit here, helping us get back on the path there, that this carries some weight in our life so it just doesn't depend all on us. But yet with God's help, the help of the trellis, with the help of one another, we grow into these good pathways ahead of us. One of our deep values at Christ Church, we have six values, and one of those is intentional growth. 
You can see it on the slide. You, you see it, our value sign. We have it up every week right in the back. One of our values is that we pursue intentional growth because becoming like Jesus is an, is an adventure worth every effort. But if you look at some of those words, <clears throat> every effort, like the adventure is worth it. But it has to be intentional. You, you don't drift into maturity. And, and so many of us have, have experienced a drift of life. And this is why we need to kind of recenter or come back so that we can be intentional. We have to pursue it. Like we have to bring ourselves into it. I think that's one of the most amazing things about God's grace is that he doesn't force this on us. He, he invites us into the process of our growth and even allows us sometimes to set the pace for how we're going to grow. Be a wild vine off to the side with some fruit, but not so much. Or we can just submit our lives to him. Submit our lives to those good pathways that really lead to the good fruit. But we have to pursue it. We have to be intentional because it doesn't happen by accident. <clears throat> and so I'd like to give you some guide rails. I'd like to offer you a trellis. And this, what I'm uh, sharing with you today, comes from a book by Steve Machia called Creating a Rule of Life. Um, this is a format he uses, but this is a robust resource. This would be a great resource if you wanted to spend a month or two just in study or for a small group to gather around this resource and work through it because he really digs in even to some of your purpose and passions and some of those things that even undergird what we're going to talk about today. But in its simplest form, I want to offer you <clears throat> at least a framework for us to begin for which we can enter into and keep it simple. I mean, it really has to be simple. And so, you've got these on the, your seats, right? You can just hold these with you. You may want to take notes as we go. I'll have some other scriptures I'll mention that you can write those on there. But I'd like to just kind of walk through this a little bit and offer some questions, offer a few insights to just prime the pump for where you can go with this. This is a beginning, kind of like a new year, that if you spend a week or two really reflecting and putting some things down, could be a trellis that will change your life, that will bring a different kind of year this year than maybe what's been in the past. Before we do, though, <clears throat> I want to give a few disclaimers. First, I don't want you to be overwhelmed, right? You may say, I can't do one or two things to start a new year, let alone there's like 25 boxes, and what if I put more than one? That's like 30 or 40 things. Take it easy. Don't be overwhelmed because this is a little different than resolutions. This is a journey, kind of like a vine doesn't just cover the whole trellis all at once. It's a process, it's growth, it's steps. Um, second, some of the things that you'll put on here, you're already doing. Some of this is just naming the good things in life so you know kind of how they fit and orient around other important things in your life. And so some of the things you will put on here, you're already doing, and that's good. It might actually bring more clarity or help you live more deeply into those things. Um, second or third or wherever point I'm on, uh, this is something that you're going to review often. This is like a living, your rule can be a living document. And it's something you need to go back to and say, so how am I doing this? Lord, is there something that I need to pay attention to in this? Is there something I might need to change? You know, from 30 minutes to 15 minutes on the treadmill or maybe sell it, who knows? Uh, but you listen and you interact with this. And at the like a trellis, this is really meant to be a support and an encouragement to you. This is a, a grace-filled document that's meant to bolster or help you live into these things. So it carries some power in your life. Because 
as I confess, we can't do it all on our own, and we're never supposed to. So this is a tool that helps you live into that. And then lastly, I would say this is, I just, I wanted you to see the, the structure, kind of like a trellis or a lattice work in this, but you make it your own. Some of you are, you'd rather want to take a journal and maybe give a page to each one of these, and you put a couple things, and you may want to track how you're doing or what you're learning or how you're growing in that. Some of you are instantly going to go make a Google Doc or some other, some other document spreadsheet or table, and you're going to, you know, you'll be very organized in tracking that um, or some other way. I would say make it your own. Do what's natural for you, but put it in a space of where you're living life so that you can interact with it. <laughs> Sound good? So let's just look at these. Um, the first one is time. And as Stephen says, time has to do with our spiritual priorities. And for a lot of human history, time it was oriented around faith or a spiritual dynamic. The day was marked by prayer. The weeks and the seasons were marked with um, uh, Sabbath, religious uh, services of some kind. Whether it's a Christian faith or not, uh, it was religion played a huge part in shaping the day. We, we don't operate so much like that. My day is marked by food. I don't want breakfast, lunch, dinner, and I've got snacks in between those and then snacks at night. Like, that's kind of how I orient my day. Um, but we don't often mark it through different components of faith. <clears throat> um, I think this is really the root system for uh, how we grow in all the other areas of our life. And so when you think about your time, I want you to think about how can I root myself with God intentionally each day, each week, each month, each quarter. And there's two things I really want you to consider as you, as you process this. One is uh, the reading and reflection of Scripture. Psalm 119, 105. You may not know what that verse is right off the tip of your tongue, but it's one you've all heard more than likely. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sounds an awful lot like regular offering that guidance. Uh, the second one is prayer. Prayer. And we can pray in a lot of different ways in all kinds of situations and circumstances, but I'm always marked by Jesus' words when he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. There's something about just your heart connecting with God's heart, connecting with the Spirit, um, that just changes your life. And it's something that we grow into. It's that conversation with God. And, and as you think about it, the two ways that really we are in connection and communion and with God and building that relationship with God is through His Word, both written and what He has to say to us. And if we're not listening and if we're not taking in his words, it's awfully hard to build that relationship. And there's been some amazing research over the last decade or more that found reading the Bible and praying regularly are a catalyst for spiritual growth no matter where you are on the continuum. Whether you're just exploring God and at the very beginning, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long, long time, uh, the Bible and prayer are catalysts for growth. And so I'd want you to seed those in. <clears throat> On my rule of life, I put um, Bible reading, devotional reading, and prayer, both at the beginning of my day and at the end of my day. Um, these are some of the books. These sit right by my chair in my office, and I have two of them by my chair at home. And in case I'm not in the office that day, 
uh, but one of the rhythms I want to live into, and I think that's a good word for what we're talking about, is just the rhythm of our days and weeks and months and year, is I just, I, I need to start there. And so some of it is just reading scripture, some of it is interacting with uh, just some devotional resources, uh, some guided prayers, uh, other times I just, you know, will pray and, and then sometimes I just listen. Uh, but that's really important for me each day. You know, each week I, I love gathering with you. The discipline of just showing up every week and being in community with you as part of my time weekly. Um, and then I have uh, one day a month. I want to just spend some time in solitude and quiet just to pray and reflect. I have some other things quarterly and annually that just are little bigger chunks of time because I know if I don't fight for the good stuff, if I, if I don't allow the trellis, the support of investing my time with God, uh, I'm just not going to grow right and everything else is going to be impacted. So, as you think this week, especially Bible reading and prayer, how can you insert that in your weeks, in your days, months, etc.? Some of it you may already be doing, and it's just going to encourage you to go further. Some you may have to plant a new seed like those grapevines, and something new is going to grow. Second is trust, which is your relational priorities. And I guess I have three areas and some questions for that just for you to consider. Uh, the first one is, who are those meaningful people in your life right now? Who are the people closest to you? Um, and what would it mean for you and them if you invested intentionally into that relationship? What would you do each day, each week, each month? Some of it you're probably already doing, but more than likely there's some you know, course adjustments on how you can be even more intentional. I know for mine, I want to say every day, Every member of my family is going to hear I love you, and they're going to receive a hug, and I want to listen to something they have to say. That's not like rocket science, but I don't always do that. So this is going to carry some power to help me do that. Uh, weekly, we're going to commit to several family meals a week where we share stories and we do some mutual planning of what's going on in each other's lives just to make the schedule of the family work. We've got some vacation that, we've, that I've put in here, some extended time, two weeks. We're going to take a Western trip. It'll probably be the last kind of big family vacation we take as Sadie, my daughter, not my dog, uh, is going to be heading off to college soon. Um, so that's your, those closest to you. The, the second relationship I'd want you to consider is who are you called to? Are there people in the neighborhood or work or at the gym or some other place that you just feel this particular connection to or calling to, it's kind of the same question. What would it look like for you to invest into them? Maybe you put something uh, on your rule of life, your trellis, on how you can be intentional with them. And the third one would be your spiritual community, the relationships right here. Uh, what would it look like to invest intentionally in your church community? And so you may fill every one of these boxes, or you may not know what to do. Leave it blank. Because like I said, as you interact with this, God is going to give you what needs to be on your trellis. So it's not something we force. We just kind of move along with. The third thing is temple. You know, the scripture says, you know, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just physical priorities, but I would say this is your, uh, Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love him like that, love others like that, but love yourself like that as well. 
And so under those priorities, I would say physically, what are some things that you sense God saying you need to commit yourself to this next year? Diet, exercise, rest, etc. Mentally, is there something to know or learn or some reflection that you need to be more intentional with? And then your heart and soul, uh, which ties into really those, the first two things. You can see how these are all interconnected. But maybe it's even asking questions of like, how's my stress level or anxiety? And what's contributing to that? And is there a way, are there some disciplines or things I can do to intentionally help lower the blood pressure of just whatever's going on inside of me? Often it's that physical is where we start our New Year's resolutions, but I think it needs to be a part of the whole because it taps into your spiritual priorities and relational priorities. And under treasures, our financial priorities. You know, I'm struck that Jesus says, said, do not store up for yourselves treasure on heaven where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. You will either love one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus knew how our hearts would connect to resources, the things we have, our bank accounts, etc., and how that is such a huge part of our life. And he just wants to say, make sure it's in the proper order, that it's working, it's running on the rails the proper way. And so I think everything from kind of thinking about on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your generosity? How are you investing into the things of God? How are you investing into family and, and retirement and those things? How are we handling bills, debt? We have a wonderful course called Financial Peace University that some of you are like, I would love to do more, have some more priorities, but my finances are upside down. This is where as a church we want to say, like, we get it. A lot of people are there. Like, let's work together, and we have this great course that actually helps you go from here to maybe where you want to be, not in a few weeks, but you can have an intentional plan over the next year, two, three, maybe five years, whatever it is, to help you live into those good intentions. Uh, if you're interested in that, we'll, we'll share more. We've got classes coming up. Um, uh, at Oak Brook, uh, and then we're going to offer one here uh, later in the spring or early summer, that Financial Peace University. Maybe that's one of the things you put on your, your rule of life, is that you just want to commit yourself to taking one of those classes. Um, yeah, so I put some of those things down. One of them is just to continue with the tithe each week. We, we want to, uh, and I'm teaching my kids, Sadie, my daughter, not my dog. I feel like I have to keep clarifying that. Uh, she has a lot of babysitting gigs, and she's not playing volleyball right now, which is huge for her. She's never really had space. So now she has all of this babysitting opportunities, and she sees, like, dollar signs everywhere. Like, she's got this whole list of everything she's going to buy. And so we talked about, well, what does it mean to honor God first? What does it mean to put some savings for yourself? And then, you know, what about college? And then, you know, we kind of laid it all out. Oh, by the way, I got you this car and you haven't like contributed yet to the car payment. Oh, dad. I'm like, no, no, that's kind of how it works. And so like she's having to learn, right? She's planting some seeds or we're planting them together on what's going to guide her life. Uh, not only do I want to model that for her, I just know I need to make sure I'm honoring God first. And so this is one of our, so Ann and I, like that's first on our list that we want to give that first 
because it helps us place everything else in order. I have some college allocations, some finances I need to start preparing for. We're probably a little behind on that, so we're trying to put a plan together on how we're going to get ready to have two kids in college for three or four years at a time. Um, taxes, right? Even practical stuff that's a part of your life that you know I just put into my rule because I want to be intentional, again, with how I'm uh, positioning my financial priorities. And then the last of those is talent. Which are your missional priorities? And I mentioned it earlier, God has given us all work. It just takes on different forms. Sometimes the work is in the house and with the family. Sometimes the work is in another location. Sometimes there's work with some mission or other project or organization you're attached to uh, that really pulls at your heart. Um, there's work all around you. There's work that touches your life. The question is, how are you being intentional with what God has given you? Uh, I love in Colossians 3, it says, whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all. As if you're like you're honoring God. And whenever scripture repeats things, it means you're supposed to really pay attention. But literally, that verse is saying, whatever you do, work at it as if it's for God. Right? So if you're in a marketplace job, and you think about your day, you think about your week, uh, what does it mean to be very intentional to do your job well? Uh, one of the things I wrote, we have a staff meeting every Monday at 10 a.m. with our Downers Grove team. Uh, this is one of the biggest priorities of my week because I want to love and nurture that team well. I want us to work together well. I want to bring their gifts to bear on what's happening here and where we're going together. Uh, and so I invest time to do that meeting well. Um, perhaps there's things in your work week or things in your home or things in your neighborhood that's, that you would consider part of your work. What would be those things each day, week, month, quarterly, annually um, that you are going to put on your trellis, on your rule of life? to help it go well. <clears throat> so, not one thing. It seems like many things. But I want to encourage you to spend some time with this this week, the next week, or maybe this next month. Uh, bring this into, if you're connected to one of the small groups, uh, maybe you talk about it there and update each other. If not, join one, or perhaps we can form so, you know, a new group that maybe wants to go through this resource or something else that's just going to journey to help Build this trellis in your life because it's meant through God's grace to be a support, to help so that you flourish and thrive, not just a little bit, but that you could live into all that God intends for you. <clears throat> and so as you think about it, let me give you a few other points of encouragement. First is pray and listen. Start with prayer. Start by just listening. Maybe you put a few of the obvious things down, but don't feel the pressure to fill in every box in whatever form it takes for you. Take some time with it and just let God kind of lead you in that and then respond, and then respond. Second, keep it simple and keep it doable. Um, I think in our world of complexity and how things are kind of just spinning and sometimes are so fragmented, Keep it simple, because if it's simple, you're more likely to live into it. Third, let it hold some power and influence in your life. You may not feel like going to the gym, but you know what? I committed myself, and this paper says so, right? And I've got my small group saying, it's going to ask me how it's going. Like, let that be some good accountability for you, just to live into it. Um, review it. Like, this is a living document. Praise God for the growth that you're seeing. Share that with others. Share where you're kind of hanging up or you're not able to, 
uh, to maybe quite live into it, or are there areas where the vine's growing off to the side? Uh, that's okay, confess it, right? And maybe you're modifying the plan as you go, as you just discern a little bit more, share your progress with each other. Uh, like I said, welcome, known, and love community is a big part of our support system here, and it's wrapped around all of this. Don't force it, just let it emerge, but be intention, pursue it. Give every effort to a support system that will help you flourish and thrive. You know, it's a gift that God gives us new things. His mercies are made new every year, but literally we've been given a new year to begin together with. Um, and I believe God has something exciting for you, has something exciting for us. And I'll bet dollars to donuts, it's gonna come through our, the regular rhythms of our day and week and months. Because see, growth, that's how growth happens. It's not just one miraculous boost. It often is, it's in the regular. It's in the committing, going down, a little further down the path, taking intentional steps together. All of a sudden we find ourselves somewhere new. And I'm excited to see where that new is. I'm excited to hear your stories. I'm excited to see what God does in my life in our family's life as we build our trellis together. So I offer it to you. It's waiting. Uh, take some time with it. Pray through it. Fill it out. Plant new seeds that need to be planted. Prune a little bit. Maybe move some other things around in your life so that you can uh, have something when you look at to say, God, may I truly live into this because I can see your hand. I can, I can see the fruit that will come if I just journey intentionally down that road. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy that you've poured into our lives. We thank you that um, you're patient with us. We thank you that you encourage us. We thank you that you love us so much that you don't want us to remain right where we're at, that you want us to grow closer to you, closer with to others. And so God, I pray for each of us, including myself, that as we think about this new year, that we just wouldn't do it under our own power, that God, we would look to you. And that God, if it's a rule of life, if it's a trellis that will help us grow, to flourish and thrive, help us make more sense and to see how our life is connected in some very significant areas. And God, we were open to that. God, we commit ourselves to that. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this group gathered in this room. Um, God, we just pray your blessing on our lives. God, we pray that you would use us to be a blessing to others, whether it's at a trade station, whether it's who we'll talk to after service, whether it's someone we interact with at work, or in a neighborhood or family member. God, we just say, use us. We're your instruments. God, thank you for your love and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said?